Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Hey, this is Stacey and Megan with another What We're Cooking and Eating Now bonus episode. In addition to our regular weekly episodes, twice a month, we give you a real-time rundown of what we're cooking for our families. In each of these episodes, we'll walk you all the way through one recipe and then list five others. All in, you get six weeknight dinner ideas that we've tested. We share the links for all the recipes mentioned in our free community, which you can join by going to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And if recipes weren't incentive enough to sign up right now, we're doing a giveaway in that free community for year-long access to our supporting membership, which includes our recipe archive, two additional episodes each month, and more. So get in there. Give us your email. That's all we need. That's all we need. And then look out for the post to sign up for the giveaway. It's like early holiday gifts. Oh, yes. I was going to say uh, it's like feels very much like the runway to the end of the year. Holidays are fast approaching. Yes. So what is feeding your family like right now? What are you cooking and eating? So I actually haven't yet started any holiday prep, but I do feel myself shifting into the quickest, the easiest <laughs> meals a lot of nights a week. I yes. feel like it's psychological prep. And thinking about like, okay, like I'm going to start Thanksgiving prep soon, even though I don't know what that is yet. (laughs) I'm going to be like holiday shopping more, like there's going to be more stuff going on in evenings. So two of my recipes this week are real dead easy. One, like even easier than we normally talk about. And then one is something that I made when my mother-in-law came for dinner. So It's funny because I think of it as something that's more involved, but actually it was pretty simple. Anyway, let's jump in and talk about it. So one thing that I made this week that I really love is air fryer falafel. It was so good. And I have to tell you, I think I used, you guys, I'm going to have to look up the recipe because I kind of looked at it and then I didn't follow it exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's the air fryer falafel on the Spruce Eats. And the reason why, like, even if I didn't use that recipe exactly, what I want to share about that recipe is that it called for adding cilantro to the mix. And I remember looking at that and being like, hmm, that's not traditional, which what do I know? Maybe in some places it is like falafels eaten in many, many countries. It's not how I'm used to eating falafel, but I love cilantro. And so I ended up adding it. And it was so freaking delicious. So basically, it was so good. It was really like bizarrely good. 
basically for air fryer falafel, you're just going to add a whole bunch of stuff to your food processor, onion, garlic, parsley, cilantro, then like some spices. Uh, the recipe calls for ground coriander and cumin. I go a little light on cumin. It's not my favorite. I like to add a little Aleppo pepper as well. Then chickpeas, salt, pepper, and a little bit of flour to help bind it. And you literally just blitz everything in the food processor and then form little balls, like falafel-sized balls, and throw them in the air fryer. And the air fryer does the work. Now, it's funny, Megan, we've talked about this because you have left me with the impression that you feel like using the air fryer is a more involved thing. Maybe because what it takes to clean your air fryer? Maybe. Or like the prep, like I literally was about to ask you, okay, so did you have to coat your air fryer with nonstick spray and like make sure it didn't get in the like crevice of the basket? Because sometimes falafel can be sort of tender and fall apart on you. Although if this recipe was designed specifically for the air fryer, hopefully it didn't do that. Uh, I think I just fell out of love with my air fryer. So maybe I'm less inclined. But then the flip is I use my microwave a lot for like prep or even finishing components of dinner. So I think we're just like into little different and fun gadgets. Yeah. So my air fryer is really large. I'm realizing that it's a really, it was a really good choice. <laughs> this model, this brand, <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's from Target. It's Crux brand. It was a collaboration between Crux, C-R-U-X, and Ghetto Gastro, which is a cooking collective out of the Bronx. And it's the whole basket is huge and nonstick. And it isn't a wire mesh basket. It just has two, like the whole basket itself is nonstick. And then there are two areas where the bottom of the basket kind of dips down a little bit. And there are two nonstick little platforms that help with airflow. So it's the easiest, easiest thing in the world to clean. Okay. I am so glad you brought it up because I actually have been thinking about this. It feels bad, like environmentally bad. I have an air fryer that I don't love and I don't feel like the basket is big enough. It doesn't have a mesh basket, but it's like perforated with enough holes that it's like annoying for some things and fine for other things. Um, but I definitely don't feel like it's big enough or powerful enough. And I think I'm going to put one on my Christmas list. And so knowing Ooh. that you have a brand and size you like, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just need a new air fryer. Yeah, I don't know. That might be it. Because mine, when I need a quick and easy meal, I'm like, oh, right, my air fryer. It makes cleanup so simple. So I will say mine doesn't preheat, which I find annoying a little bit because so many air fryer recipes build in preheating yeah. time, but I can just sometimes turn it on ahead of time or just adjust the timing by like a couple of minutes. Anyway, I really love mine most because of how easy it is to clean. It makes dinner so simple. So I blitzed this stuff in the food processor and while the falafel were frying in the air fryer, I just put together a Greek salad. I know most people think of a Greek salad as a lettuce-free or leafy green-free chop of tomatoes, cucumbers, sometimes peppers, it depends, with feta cheese. You can add olives, whatever. There's another Greek salad that's very popular in Greece called maruli. I'm, I'm not doing it with a good accent. But anyway, a maruli salad is 
uh, romaine that's chopped like into thin ribbons. So it's like really chopped up with a whole bunch of scallion and a whole bunch of dill. That's it. And then you don't shake up a dressing. Like I just pour olive oil, a little red wine vinegar, a little lemon juice right into the bowl with the lettuce, scallion, and dill and toss it with my hands. And actually that's an important point because moruli is something that you massage not quite as intensely as kale because romaine is more tender and you don't need to massage it. You'll like get, it'll get too soggy, but you do kind of like mush it, massage it a little bit with your hands. And um, it was perfect with like some feta cheese on the side. So we had like falafel with pita, the fixings. Oh, quickly, you can make like a tahini sauce. I think the recipe I'll share has one that's there that you can use. If you don't want to make a sauce because it's already like you need a very quick meal, Hummus is great. I actually found herbed tahini at Trader Joe's that was absolutely perfect. Like so I fun just opened too. the package and drizzled on top. Yeah. And then uh, sriracha because we like hot sauce on our falafel. Yum. Um, that sounds really good. And also it seems like f- fresh in a time where everything yeah. is like, like I have two soups on my list this today. So I love that you're bringing something like super fresh. Okay, so speaking of fresh, this one's also a little bit fresh, actually. It's kind of light. Mike was not home. This is a very important point because this <laughs> dinner includes canned tuna. Okay. So this is unfortunately not a dinner that I could normally make. But I'm really bad. I'm great at giving the advice of like sandwich night, like keep it easy. Just make some tuna fish or tuna melts. And I don't actually serve that to my family very much. So Mike was out. It was a really busy week. He was actually traveling. So it was at a point in a week when I knew I'd be exhausted because I had some evening meetings. I found Eric Kim on the New York Times cooking app had a recipe for like the best tuna rice bowls or something like that. And basically he makes a tuna salad with mayonnaise, but with a little bit of sesame oil too and Mm. toasted sesame seeds. I'll link to the recipe. I won't talk you through the whole thing. But you're basically just making a tuna salad, serving it over rice. And I do love, like one of my favorite things about a tuna melt is that contrast between like a crisp, cold tuna salad with the hot, melty cheese. Mm -hmm. So I made the tuna salad while I prepped my lunch. I know not everyone will be able to do this in advance. A quick meal like this, sometimes the point is that you don't want to be thinking about it in advance. But anyway, if you have the time put the tuna back in the fridge so it gets nice and cold. And I had put rice in the rice cooker the night before. So it was ready. And then all I did was serve a bowl of rice with scoops of this tuna that had like a nice sort of Asian inflection thanks to the sesame oil in it. And I cut up avocado. I put out sriracha and I got um, seaweed snacks. And everybody got a package of seaweed snacks so that we just like kind of took the little seaweed snacks and scooped up tuna salad and rice and avocado. It honestly tasted a lot like a California roll and the kids loved it. And it was so, so easy. That sounds right up Emmett's alley. Well, Emmett and Brian, you know, I'm kind of midway on canned tuna and Ella is in a very no seafood season of her eating. Yeah, That does sound so good. Okay. One more thing you cooked this week or fed your family this week, I should say. Okay, so one more thing is ricotta polpette. My understanding is that polpette is how you say meatballs, 
but these are not meatballs. I thought when I first saw the recipe, also a New York Times cooking, I thought it was ricotta mixed into a meatball. And I looked at the recipe closer. It's literally ricotta balls, ricotta cheese balls. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. Oh my God, delicious. I'm so excited because this has been on my list and I keep like pushing it off. I'm like, oh, I don't, this seems like so much work. So I need to know, like, was it a lot of work? Was it it's no. so delicious, but like easy? What? It was so delicious. Even my meat loving kids were like, this is really, really good. Of course, Isaac was like, mm, I'd rather meatballs, but he loved it. He ate a ton. The recipe calls for you making a simple sauce and it really is fine to do that. Like it doesn't take up that much time because the ricotta polpette, you're really just combining everything in the food processor again. And then the the hardest part is really just taking the time to roll up the balls. You could easily take a jar of Rayos or your favorite tomato sauce and heat that up and cut your time, your cooking time. The tomato sauce they call for is not like a long cook sauce. It's like a very simple, plain tomato sauce that I think worked beautifully. But like I said, a jar of high quality marinara would be great too. And the thing that was so cool about it is that when you're rolling up the ricotta, cause it's ricotta, I think there's some Parmesan, there's some breadcrumbs. It feels like a dense ball. It almost feels more dense than meat. And then you put it into the tomato sauce and when it floats up and you try it, it is so light and fluffy. It was really great, a great recipe. Totally gonna make it again. I served it with really delicious, uh, cauliflower. So while the polpette were cooking, I threw uh, cauliflower florets fresh into the air fryer, which is a little bit of olive oil. And then I made a quick gremolata. Like I just chopped garlic Yum. and I put some oil, sherry vinegar, lemon juice, lemon zest, parsley. And I had some, uh, I never know how to say them, Castel Vitrano. You know, That's as close as I've ever gotten yeah. to say. <laughs> I had some in there and they were pitted already. So I just kind of smashed them with the back of my knife. I didn't even chop them finely and threw all of that like on top of the cauliflower and then some bread to sop up the tomato sauce. It was such a delicious meal and it really came together quicker than you think it will. And it's great for company. Is that what you served to your mother-in-law? That was what you said. Yes, I yes, had that was one. The one. Yeah. Totally. The way you describe the cooking to me makes me think of like Southern dumplings or like soup. soup yeah. When I think of soup dumplings, I'm not, I don't mean the like Asian soup filled ones, but rather you see in chicken and dumplings. And yes. so now I really, really want to make them. Yeah. I've been dreaming up having them just like over polenta or grits, like a big totally. bowl that of like totally comfort. work. It sounds a little bit like a lot of bready stuff. Like there's breadcrumbs in the the cheese and they're cheese balls. And then we're going to have they are, they grits are, or polenta. <laughs> but that was the other thing I wanted to say. How funny is it that we as cheese lovers were like both already um, earmarking this recipe to make. We're like, yes, cheese we will balls. eat cheese balls in tomato sauce. Yes, it's please. It's so good. I think you should make it and I can't wait to hear what you think. Okay. okay. I'll you report tell me. back. Yes. Yes. What did you eat this week? Okay. I am. I think it's funny. We're both a little bit in like pre-holiday mode, right? Like you're making things quick and easy. I am trying to make some room in my freezer right now because we are traveling yes. just like a car ride travel to cook Thanksgiving dinner for Brian's family this year. And so I want to prep some things in advance and like bring them in a cooler. Totally. 
So I am, the name of the game this week is like eating some things up out of the freezer. I also have two soups on here. I don't know. I'm in soup mode. I feel like soup season. I'm going to be really transparent and say sometimes my kids will eat soup and sometimes they're like, like, oh, again, soup. (laughs) Uh." I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm I'm like that about soup and I don't know why either. Yes. I'm weird about soup. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, soup? That's not dinner. Why? Why? Other times it is, and why not? I don't know. It's See, weird. I, I love soup because I feel like it is like very filling and it's like a super easy way to like use up a bunch of veggies or use up some proteins. And so I find it like very filling. I will make myself uncomfortably full on soup. <laughs> But I guess I'm just like, yes. The fact that you said it's filling is actually like hitting something for me. I feel like maybe I assume soup is not going to be filling. Okay. And then I'm worried. <laughs> and so worried then it's not, not an enjoyable cooking night. Yes, yes. Are you worrying that I'm going to not be satisfied? Yes. <laughs> That's a legit problem. So weird. On many accounts. <laughs> I do no, find... <laughs> You I got. Do, I mean, do I sound spoiled or neurotic or both? I'm like, I don't know. I thought anxious it was that I won't be satisfied. I thought it was an innuendo. That's how I took it. So that just no, shows. that too. <laughs> all of the above. All okay. of the above. Bring okay, back let's move food. on. What soup? A lot of times, I default to like bready things on the side, like garlic bread, or we make biscuits, or like we'll even do like mm-hmm. cheese toasts or grilled cheeses. So then I really don't understand why my kids are like soup averse, but let me just like not very sour about it. I don't. Well, because I want to be in soup season. I want to be able to make a big batch of soup once a week and like eat that for lunches, but also have it be one dinner. And I just think soup is delicious. We have a whole soup episode, too. If you need some soup advice or you want to hear us talk more about how how we make soups more filling, maybe. Okay, so first thing, uh, I made a hamburger soup, which I discovered via like a deep dive into a Mormon mom influencers. I'm intrigued and also feel very turned off both <laughs> at once. I can hold complicated feelings, guys. A hamburger soup? Yeah, so we should talk about this because it's called hamburger soup. It's like a very um, searchable term on like Pinterest, on Google. The recipe that I ended up using is actually from Simply Recipes. It wasn't this influencer's recipe. But I think what is like appealing to me when I see recipes from those type of creators is that um, typically Mormon families, they're feeding a lot of people. They're also, they feed neighbors and friends very often. I know that from Mormon friends. And so I think of their recipes as being very economical and also big batch. It is more like almost like a hamburger helper as a soup sometimes because you either see it with like macaroni noodles or potatoes as sort of like the carb component. So you do like celery, onions, carrot in like a saute, you brown ground beef, or you could use any other kind of ground meat. You add canned tomatoes and broth, and then you add like the potatoes and or macaroni noodles. I said said and or, but I think you only see it with one or the other, never the two combined. Is the broth 
thin, like minestrone. Like that's yes, it has. You're a bringing very, major minestrone vibes. It has a very min- minestrone energy to it, but simpler. I think like fewer ingredients. Hmm. And is the hamburger just like really crumbled up ground yeah. meat? Yeah. Or is it like because when you say hamburger soup, I'm imagining bigger pieces as if a patty had been torn apart. Yeah. So I don't, that's not how I've ever seen it. And it's funny you say that because I marketed it to my children as hamburger soup and we offered shredded cheddar cheese to go on top. And for Ella, my pickle lover, pickles to go on top. If we had had like hamburger buns, I honestly would have like toasted those and made those garlic (laughs) bread and been like, yeah, it's hamburger soup night. (laughs) Even though it's more like, like it could om- it could almost go the way of like a very s- loose chili if you put a can of beans yes. in it, or like a soup that has a uh, like crumbled Italian sausage, like an Italian. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking of like a kale sausage soup. Yes, which actually like kale potatoes, like ground Italian sausage, sounds absolutely delicious to me. You're describing almost the same thing with ground meat, but there was something about calling it hamburger soup that turned me off. I'm going to be just really honest. But do honest. you see, I was using that to my advantage for my children. You were. Did it work? Emmett loved it. He at first like ate a whole biscuit and was like, mm, and Brian was like, just try just try one bite. Like, I think you will like it. And then he ate, he devoured a whole bowl. Ella primarily ate pickles and biscuits for dinner. I'm just going to be really honest. Even though... On paper, she loves a hamburger. She loves ground beef. She loves potatoes. She loves minestrone. So she loves like a tomato-based soup. That is the one soup she's guaranteed to eat besides chicken noodle. Wild. It was wild. I do think that sometimes when you love something so much, you only want it that way. Yeah, you don't want the riff. You're like, this, mm, no, don't try to sell this to me as a hamburger lady. Like, no, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Okay, well you and <laughs> nope. you and uh you and Ella can form an allegiance together, an alliance against hamburger soup. For everyone else, I'm not trying to get very up easy on you. to make, very economical for feeding a lot of people. Okay, so that was I was trying to use up some broth in the freezer and some hamburger that I'd stashed in there. Nice. The other soup I made this week is Hetty McKinnon's dumpling noodle soup, which is also Ooh. a New York Times cooking recipe. It uses ramen noodles and frozen pot stickers, dumplings. So I had some of those in the freezer. And that, it was like making a big batch of broth that I put the vegetables in and like all the seasoning. Because her recipe calls for bok choy and broccoli. I ended up using snap peas and broccoli. Okay. To be more like kid appealing. And then Emmett ate both like the ramen noodles, which he loves, and the dumplings. But for Ella, she does not really like ramen noodles. And she went hard on the dumplings. So it was like one of those like one pot felt like a lot of shortcuts to make like actually a really delicious soup. That was very I feel like my kids who both love dumplings and ramen noodles, both of them love both of those things. That'd be a real big win. And I have to tell you, though, that's funny that you substituted bok choy. I love bok choy. I do, too. And I recently cooked it a couple of times, and the boys, like, nibble around, like, the bottom. They kind of skip the leafy greens, and they don't eat the whole thing. And finally, Isaac was like, I don't think I like bok choy. Yeah. And I had this, like, very weird reaction where the very next week, I bought more bok choy. Like, I doubled down (laughs) on it. 
weird. And then like, I served it again. And that time he actually ate more of it. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to get into like a weird, silent, like bok choy battle. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, you said you didn't like bok choy, but like you let it's like you like this better. And he had no useful information. And we've done nothing with this information since. <laughs> so I don't really know where things stand on bok choy in my house. Like, should I, I buy kids, it again or should I not? Yeah. I don't know. Every I feel like once a year I try to reintroduce them to it and it's usually in a soup. And I think that that might actually be my mistake because they both don't like the texture of it. Like they find it too silky. I, I love, oh, love it like me that. Me too. But maybe it needs to be like in a quick stir fry or something or even like grilled where it's just like getting hot heat, but it has a lot of texture to it still. So I... I'm still, I, I, I would still include bok choy on your meal plans and stuff for I'm everybody. Going to. I think I'm going to. I do tend to cut it in quarters, like mm-hmm. lengthwise. So you have the whole bok choy cut in quarters, whether it's in a stir fry or in something more soupy. And I have wondered if it's like too big with, when you cut it lengthwise in one piece, you have both the base of the vegetable and the leafy top. And I was wondering if that was part of what's throwing it off, that like in one piece of vegetable on your plate, you have two completely different textures. Yeah. I can't believe a good, I think really about good it point. on this granular level. But maybe. But see, then I think <laughs> then it's like the perfect texture and shape to even twirl around your fork or your spoon. Uh, so yes. I think that makes it easier to eat than when it's like small pieces and they they can be slippery, especially in a broth or a sauce. And then you're like chasing it around. So I don't know, man. Maybe kids just have terrible taste. Yes, that is definitely what's likely. But anyway, I'll keep experimenting with bok choy and get back to everybody. Third thing you made this week. Okay, I feel like I've probably mentioned this recipe before. It's a recipe I wrote on the kitchen. We call it sausage in a Snuggie, but it's basically pigs in a blanket. And instead of it being like little pieces and like canned biscuits, we do whole sausages or whole hot dogs. And do puff pastry. So I was using a puff pastry and also some sausages that our friends gifted to us to feed not only us, but some other neighborhood friends too. So we did that recipe, a bag of tater tots and a head of broccoli all chopped up on one sheet pan and stuck that in the oven and then did apple slices. So like the sausage in a Snuggie is very satisfying for me as a meal, but it did feel like a very kid geared dinner. Yeah. Not like highly, uh, not delivering on a lot of flavor, but a lot of ease. And man, kids can put back some sausage in a Snuggie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Sounds delicious. I feel like we have a lot of good variety on this week's, what we're cooking I and do eating too. now. And a lot of like easy stuff. That's great because I do want to just say that I don't, Maybe it is just us. And maybe you guys are doing this naturally already. But I do hope that you'll make regular weeknight cooking in this next like month and a half as easy as possible for yourself. Because there's so much going on. It's so easy to get overwhelmed. Even if you pare down your holidays this year, pare down your weekly cooking too. And then if you end up having extra time, luxuriate in it. It's such a busy time. It's so easy to not even realize that you're about to tip into overwhelm. So I just think that these really simple meals can make a huge difference. Yes, yes. And also, you don't even have to go sausage in a snuggie. You could just do hot dogs and tots on a sheet pan, too. Like, 
really Ooh, you love, know I love that. <laughs> love a hot dog meal. <laughs> you guys, this bi-monthly series is thanks in part to the generous support of our Didn't I Just Feed You supporting membership. So a huge shout out and thank you, thank you, thank you to them. You can find out more about becoming a supporting member at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And don't forget to sign up for our free community. So that's the free section. That's where we're going to be running the giveaway. You just need to give us your email. You'll go to the main board that you gain access to. And right there, you'll see the post. You'll enter and hopefully you win a supporting membership for free. A huge thank you, as always, to our producer, Samantha Getzik. Thanks for listening. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next time. 